Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Man, what a good morning. Um, Isn't it funny or interesting about songs? Songs move us, don't they? Music does something to our soul. Um, Sometimes it makes us do stupid things, right? Like we get that overbite thing going on sometimes. You know, we have the thumbs, who's number one. Um, But it also changes our perspective on life too, doesn't it? And so many times it seems like in moments of our lives, maybe when we're far away from certain things, maybe far from God, songs also draw us in. Songs make a difference in our lives. They remind us of how big our God is or maybe how small our problems are. And that's what we're gonna do over the next uh, five weeks, this week and four more weeks. We're gonna take a look at some songs. Uh, VH1 years ago did a, a, a series called Beyond the Music and they would literally take songs that were popular of the time, and if you don't know what VH1 is, it's, uh, it's an old station or old TV station that you could watch music videos. That's when they actually had a thing called music videos. But they would go back, and I remember one of the ones, uh, one of my favorite was from a, a band called um, Mr. Mister, and it was Kyrie Eleison, which uh, talks about the road less traveled and talks about God's amazing uh, you know, providence during processes in our lives. I was like, man, I can't believe they're doing this on secular a secular station. I remember another one was In the Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics, and it was a story about his dad dying, about how he wished he had more time with his father. When we start looking at songs of church, songs of faith, the songs of faith have great meaning too. Sometimes we don't even know the meaning, we just kind of sing the songs. And so what we're gonna look at is we're gonna look at some of these spiritual songs, some of these hymns, and what they really mean, the scriptures that they come from, the story behind We're gonna look at one of my favorites. We're gonna look at the last week, we're gonna look at Amazing Grace. And the story behind Amazing Grace, we're gonna look at one called Great is Thy Faithfulness. It is well. Next week, you are not gonna wanna miss it. We're, it's, I'm telling you, they're gonna kill it. We're gonna do a song called Ain't No Grave. And I'm gonna tell you, this place is gonna be hop in, okay? I may get my T.D. Jakes on and dance, okay? And this week, we're gonna look at the song that we just sang, Give Me Jesus. And it's interesting, I first heard that song back in the mid-90s. Um, it was a weird time in my life. We had lost a child through a miscarriage, and I just lost my grandmother, and who was kind of a second mom. And we were up at Willow Creek, and they're doing this story about a, a husband and a wife, and the, I think it was the wife that was gonna end up dying of cancer, and actually at the time, she had already died, and this was her eulogy to the church. And I was thinking like, and they sang the song, Give Me Jesus, and I thought, I don't know that in my life at that particular moment, I could say, like even in my deathbed, that I would wanna have Jesus over, over, what, over what was happening. And I remember walking away from that moment, moved in my soul, maybe, maybe there's more to it. Maybe Jesus is enough. Maybe in the midst of the struggles of the morning and the midday noon sun and maybe the nighttime, you know, the cry of the night, maybe in the midst of all this, there is a God that really, you know, a Jesus that really does love me and care about me. And so I started kind of researching these songs. This one in particular, it's one of about 6,000 spirituals. They were written by slave owner, uh, slaves um, back during slavery time. 
And they were written, and the reason there was so little documentation is they were not allowed to learn to read or write, and so there was oral translation. They would literally, from one person to another, so there's several hundred renditions of a lot of these spiritual, I mean, you've heard some of them, right? Like, anybody ever heard the song, Wade in the, Wade in the Water? Anybody ever watched Prince, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? So it was my favorite uh, Fresh Prince, right, because I love Will Smith's Amazing, and but he's kind of gone the direction of a little bit more militant in his, in his, in his you know, uh, stuff going on in society. And Vivian, his mother, uh, or his aunt, is talking to him about, you know, there's another way, and this is how Dr. Martin Luther King did it. And he was like, Malcolm, 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 and he's throwing his fist up. And he wants to learn the heritage, and she says, you need to understand your heritage before you start throwing your fist up in the air. These songs were written as an escape. These songs were written to show the, 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 the place of, you know, uh, of oppression that we were in. But they always talked about a hope in all these songs. If you ever noticed a lot of spiritual songs, a lot of hymns, they talk about heaven, they talk about streets of gold, they talk about a, you know, way up yonder, they talk about places, because they never had it on this side of eternity. Give Me Jesus was written by a slave that was being heavily oppressed, but they knew there was a better way. They knew that someday they were gonna be out of slavery. Maybe not physically, but spiritually they were gonna be out of slavery. And it made me think about my own life and the slavery that I'm in sometimes to sin. And I can relate to these songs like the Give Me Jesus song because of the place of oppression that I've come from. Not oppression from racism or oppression from poverty, but, but oppression from the sin-starved soul that I have that I needed a rescuer for. And so when we sing songs like, give me Jesus, we sing songs out of a place of poverty. We sing songs like that out of a place of need, out of a desire for God that we've never, maybe never had. And so over the next several weeks, that's what we're going to look, like, look at today, this give me Jesus. I'm so passionate about this song. And I want you to know I can make bold statements about give me Jesus because the things, the characteristics, the attributes, the personality of Jesus, I can make bold statements and say give me Jesus because of X, Y, and Z. And the first bold statement that I'm gonna make today is give me Jesus above everything else, above all the world has to offer because Jesus brings peace in the midst of chaos. And if there's ever been a time, I don't need to convince a single person in this room that we live in a chaotic world right now. I don't, need to, I don't need to show all kinds of you know, you know, video footage of all the stuff that's going on in the world. We know what's going on. All you have to do is turn on Facebook or Twitter or any CNN or, or, or Fox News, whatever, and you see that the world is in chaos. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to bring us peace. We're gonna look at a story today. It's the story of Paul and Cornelius. If you've never, it's in Acts chapter, I think Acts, Acts chapter 10. But there's a story because it's so important because the same things we're seeing, the same tensions in the world that we're trying to lean into as faith communities and human beings, the same tension, the same things we're leaning into were happening way back then. Cornelius was from the Roman government. He was a non-Jew. Jewish people and non-Jewish people could not connect and never could they go into somebody's house of a non-Jew. Cornelius being a non-Jew, and over and over and over again, God was trying to demonstrate and teach Peter that, 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 that the gospel presentation, the gospel message of Jesus Christ on that cross was so much bigger than just, just Jewish people. 
And so he gave him a series, I don't know if you remember this, a series of dreams where a veil came down and all kinds of animals, clean and unclean. And Peter has this conversation with the Holy Spirit and he says, listen, listen, I can't eat those, those animals because they're unclean. And he says to the Holy Spirit, he says, listen, don't you call, don't you, the Holy Spirit says to Peter, don't you call unclean what I've called clean. And what he was saying was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open the doors up for you to start talking to the Gentiles. And so here's this moment where Cornelius invites Peter to come into his house. And I love this because it'll teach us a lot of things. It'll teach us about our calls. It'll teach us about our purpose in this world. Peter has this conversation with Cornelius. He doesn't talk to him about Roman government. He doesn't talk to him about the oppression of slavery that, that, that people have been in at that time. He doesn't talk to him about all the religious garb that everybody's wearing. He didn't talk about rules and regulations. He talked about one thing, and we should learn from this one act that one thing was Jesus Christ, period. Can, can I throw something out? Because I had a conversation with somebody several weeks ago, and this may offend some of you, and if you're offended today, you're gonna be well offended, okay? Somebody said, Pastor Bobby, I want you to talk more about this subject. It's funny, I got another group of people going, you talk too much about this subject. It's like I'm, I'm right in the middle. They said, they said, we want you to talk more. You have a vocal, you have a mouthpiece, you, you can have, and, 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 they, and they said, what is your purpose? What is your purpose? Think about that. If somebody asked you right now that question, what would be your answer? What is your purpose? Why did God put you on this earth at this time? Are you like an Esther that you were created for such a time as this to save a generate? What were you put here for? I sat there for several minutes thinking about it and then I finally came to the conclusion because what they were wanting me to say was I was gonna start taking a political stand on Sunday mornings on certain things. That I was gonna start telling everybody, this is how you're gonna vote. You're gonna vote Republican or you're gonna vote Democrat. And you know what I found out? Regardless of which one I say, half the people in the church get mad. If I say pro somebody, there's a half of the group going, no way, kill him, crucify him. So you know what I said? Pat, we've had this conversation, haven't we? I am not called to be a politician. I am not called to tell you how to vote in November. I, I am not called to tell you about my stance on some social issue. I have been called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ crucified and nothing else. That's it. That's the word. When we stop using these bully pulpits for politics and start telling people about Jesus, this world will change. I was going to wait to get T.D. Jakes on next week. I may get it on today. Peter didn't tell Cornelius, we're going to read about it. Peter didn't tell Cornelius about all the things that he believed. He, you know what's up? If your theology starts with I think, it's not theology. It's not God's word. Our theology should be, this is what God says. This is what God is. This is, this is his attributes. That's why I can say, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Because in the midst of this world, he can bring peace when there's chaos. He can bring peace to the big world globally. He can bring to the local. He can bring it to our marriages. He can bring it to our families if we allow and identify what he's doing. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. This is the conversation between Cornelius and Peter. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly understand that God shows no what? We need to under, that should have been highlighted. That's my mistake. That God doesn't show any type of partiality. This is what he says. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the what? Good news. 
Say it again. Good news. You know what I'm afraid of? I am really afraid that the world out there looks at the church and all they hear is all the bad stuff that's going on. They, they, they hear everything that the church is against, but they don't know what the church is for. You know what the church is for? Reconciliation of all types of people. Every person that walked this, I am so overwhelmed right now with the, the most simplest of scriptures. John three sixteen says this, for God so loved the what? The world. He didn't put clarifications of certain social or economic or color or creed or any of those things. For God so loved, he loved this world when it was at its worst. And he still sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for it. And he came to bring us peace. That's good news, isn't it? That in this world, we'll find peace. Two artists were commissioned to make some paintings of what peace looked like to them. Think about it. What does peace look like to you? If you were to have a, you know, a, a vivid picture in your mind of what peace looks like, you know, what would it look like to you? What were these two painters, one started painting this mountain, this mountain lake. It was not a ripple on the water and it was you know, animals all over the place. And it was this beautiful scene with, with flowers and you know, stuff going on. And in the background, there was this mountain that had this beautiful glacier. I mean, it was just the most beautiful picture. And he goes, that's peace. And the other guy's over there just painting away. And he's painting this turbulent waterfall. And it's hundreds of feet, you know, and it's just, just the, the water's coming down at thousands of gallons per minute. Halfway down, there's this stick that's sticking out of the side of the mountain. And there's this little nest with this little bird in it. And the bird's getting wet. And the bird's, you know, just sitting there, maybe even kind of a little bit like, like what's going to happen here? And the guy says, what, what, are you, what is that for? He goes, it's easy to have peace when things are easy. How about peace when things are crazy? That's peace. In this world, you will have trials and tribulations of many kinds. I love what he says. We're gonna read it in a minute. But I have over, somebody say amen, overcome. Jesus says, overcome this world. He came to give us peace with God. Now, I want you to think about this because this is really, really important. Has there ever been a time in your life where you have felt like you were at war with God? Think about that. It's because there was no peace with God. I mean, Peter, uh, Paul talked about it. We read it last week, right? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. There's this, there's this law that's fighting. There's this thing that's going on inside of me. I want to do what's right, but I end up going the other direction. That's what he's talking about. But God came through Jesus Christ to bring peace even with God. Romans, I love this. Romans chapter five, verse one says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross, that horrific death, so we can have peace with Jesus. You know where else he brought, wants to bring us peace? In our own personal lives. How about the turbulence that goes on inside just the battle with yourself? What am I supposed to do with my life? What's the will of God for my life? I love what Philippians chapter four, verse seven says. He says, I have given you this peace, this uncontrollable, this amazing, and he calls it the peace that passes all understanding. I love the way John says it. The writer John says in John 14, he says, but peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your hearts not be troubled, not, neither let them be afraid. And we walk through this life all with all these fears, I think sometimes when there's that turbulence going on inside, it's actually a lack of trust and faith in what Jesus can, can do or what he came to do. And then how about with this? If the world needs to hear something, we need to hear this right now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, he talks about peace with one another. 
And a matter of fact, one of the passages says, let the peace be up to you as much as it's up to you, as much as you can do, make sure you are at peace. It says, strive for peace with everyone. That's what Hebrews says. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Listen, strive for peace. You know what that means? Do not push send on your Facebook sometimes. Did y'all hear me? That means let somebody else read that email before you send the ugly email to me. I mean, somebody else. <laughs> this past week, I was writing an email to combat somebody's email. I'll just say it that way. And I, I wrote it all out, and it was eloquent. I mean, I'm talking about it was good. Like, I, I had scripture references, and I wasn't crowbarring scripture. I was using them. And I was ready to, I was like, I, I was about right here, right, right, right here. And this little, do you ever know when you're knower? Everybody knows what the number is, right? It's like the Holy Spirit going, no. <laughs> don't do it. Ain't gonna do it. Don't do it. Don't. And I was just about, I, I had to. You know what I ended up doing? Deleting it. Because it was not gonna be profitable. And I was not gonna, I was perpetuating hate and hurt instead of peace. And that's not the Jesus that I serve. Jesus wasn't about that. He also he came to give us, in the midst of turmoil in our lives, he came to give us peace. I love the writer John says it like this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? See, we don't want to hear this part. We want to hear, Jesus is so good. But he tells us we're going to have tribulation. I love this. This is my favorite part. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. And you're only gonna have to, that's why these writers of these great songs, I mean, 6,000 different spirituals, that's why the writers of these songs realized there was something bigger than this life. They realized there was a place called heaven. They realized a place where they're gonna spend time in eternity with God. And though they wanted certain things on this side, give me Jesus was the most important thing. Let me give you another reason that I can make a bold statement like give me Jesus. Because Jesus is the example on how to live. He, he's taught us all throughout scripture. He's taught us how to live. Verse 37 says it like this. He says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, verse 38. And it says, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing what? Wow. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He went about, wouldn't that be the coolest thing in our lives for people to go about, our, about us? He, you know, Bobby, he went around doing good. Like, couldn't that be, that would be the coolest thing, right? Not he was, like, I don't want to be like, he was a really good preacher or he was a really good leader. No, man, Bobby went around doing really good things. Like, he loved, he loved humanity. He loved his wife, he loved his kids, he loved most of his friends. <laughs> he went around doing good. That's not an uncommon thing through scripture, though. We see it over and over and over again. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral service or maybe a, a, to a graveyard, a cemetery. Occasionally throughout the course of the year, I have to do um, funerals. And um, most everyone, I notice something in the graveyard. Like, everybody has, like, there's these headstones, right? Not everyone, but there's a lot of, there's headstones or whatever they call them, monuments, right? And, and, and so on them, there's these two dates. There's a date that's our birth date, 
right? It's the birth date, 19 old. And then death date. Like, I don't know when that is, right? Like, whenever that is. Um, you know, 50 years from now, okay? So that's, I, I want to be around for a while. But, but right in between those, those two dates is this little punctuation mark, this little mark right there. It's called a, it's called a dash. And that little dash, that little dash is everything we've done in our lives. That little dash is the thing that people will stand up one day at a eulogy of all of us and they'll say, this is what Bobby did well. I want it to be said, like it was said about Jesus, that he went around doing good. I, I wanna be a person not known for my theology, though I have theology. I don't wanna be known for my leadership abilities. I wanna be known that Bobby was good. See, this is what David said in Psalms 112. He said, teach us the number of days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Meaning this, make sure that I make the most of every opportunity I have. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm looking for opportunities. When I see that register, that person at the register that needs a little help, or that person that can't pay their bill, that I'm just doing, just teach me to make sure that make, and then he says in Acts 13, 36, when David accomplished his task, when all his days were done, and says, then he fell asleep. That's what I want to be said about me. I want to be known. I want to be known. I want to be known as a guy that did good. I want to be known in the city as a guy that did good. Matter of fact, on my headstone, he did good. How's that sound? What, what a banner, what a badge that would be to wear that the people of this world understood that. Jesus went around demonstrating how good he was by doing miracles. Now, I'm not in the position to do that. I don't know, I don't know how to do that. I've taken some notes as I read through the Bible, but I haven't quite figured out the whole miracle thing yet. I mean, when Jesus heals a boy that was, was possessed or when Jesus takes care of a person that had an embarrassing sickness for all of the years of her life and people were ostracizing her because of her uncleanliness, he went in and did miracles. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miracles Jesus produced. I was reading a commentary this past week and the writer of the commentary, which I don't agree with, the writer of the commentary said the reason Jesus did these miracles was to prove who he was and my argument was the resurrection took care of that. The resurrection took, he didn't need to prove who he was to the world. When he rose from the grave, everybody, everybody, like they were leaning into the fact that, that this had never happened before. You know why he did miracles? Over and over again, prefaced when he would walk up to a blind person, when he would walk up to a sick person, when he walked up to dead people, because he had great compassion. Jesus, the miracles were to demonstrate to the world how to live, how we should live. Now, let me just be honest with you. I don't think there's anybody in this room, just to be quite honest, that's turning water into wine at the next party you go to. Right? Haven't figured that one out. But that doesn't mean, because that miracle was honestly a miracle of convenience or inconvenience. Jesus was making sure that the bridegroom's family wasn't embarrassed. And I thought to myself, I can't produce water into wine, but I can make sure that people in this world feel dignified. They don't feel embarrassed. They feel they have a purpose. You'll never turn, you'll never ever turn loaves and fish into feeding 5,750, you know, you'll never, you'll, you'll probably never, 
But that doesn't keep us from performing miracles of making sure people that are hungry in our city, in our community, don't have food. I'll never be able to do the things that Jesus did. But he, anybody ever play the game Follow the Leader? Anybody play that? Or Simon Says or any of those games? I would think that if we call Jesus our leader, that we would want to do the things, we wouldn't want to be about the things, we would want to be around the people that he was around. You know what kills me? We have this vivid image of our, in our minds, so many have different, that Jesus is X or Jesus is this or Jesus is that. There's segments of the population that think Jesus is this great Republican and there's other people that think he's this great, you know, this great, you know what he was? He was the Messiah. That's who he was. Not a political leader, which leads me to the next one. I can say, give me Jesus because of this. Jesus is God in the flesh. We're gonna get a little deep and then we're gonna close. It drives me nuts when I'm watching award shows, whether it's sports or whether it's some type of music awards or drama awards, when the guys, they get up there and they pound their chest, I'm gonna give all credit to the dude upstairs. I'm gonna, you know, Jesus my whatever and they live like hell. Oh, I said hell in church. Y'all tracking with me on this? I think we do a huge disservice when we make Jesus out to be just a really good man. Like he was a really good teacher. Like he was, he was a really cool guy. And that's not what scripture says. Colossians 2 verse nine says this, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, meaning he was everything, everything that God was, Jesus was. He got arrested, he got crucified for one of the statements. He said this statement in John chapter 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. Oh my goodness. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I am the way, the truth, the light. No man comes to the Father. That's what got him killed. He was saying over and over and over again, I'm not just a good guy. I'm God. I'm God. If we could figure that, you know what's really interesting to me? If you do a study of religions, in, in most religions, um, and, and, and it's funny, anybody remember the Joan Osborne song years ago, If God Were One of Us? Hey, little secret, he was. The Bible says in Hebrews that we have a priest that understands our weakness. He went through every situation because he knew that we were gonna go through it. And most religions, if you study world religions and cults and so-called Christian cults, the whole goal is to get up to that deity. That deity is way in the top of the mountain somewhere. You never get to see that deity. You never get to be a part of that. You just, you hear about this deity way up here. You know what's really cool? The deity of Christian, Christian life was way up here, but then walked all the way down the mountain to meet humanity. All the other religions ask their followers to sacrifice. I want you to give your life. I want you to give your life. I want you to give your life. Christianity, the deity, Jesus, said, no, 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 that's not how it works. I'm gonna come down and I'm gonna give my life for you. Amen. While you were yet sinners. Only Jesus Christ could, only 100% man, 100% God could done that. The great chasm of sin could only be bridged by Jesus Christ. 
It had to be God. So when we pound our chest and we do all that kind of stuff, I think we're doing a disservice to who Jesus really is. Philippians chapter two, verse six. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born into the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. That's what Jesus Christ did. Go back and think through the dialogue between Peter and Cornelius. They're having this discussion about how good Jesus is and he's about ready to throw it on the line. He's about ready to tell them about Jesus. Verse 39 in chapter 10 of Acts, he says this, and we're all witnesses of that. He did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on the tree. Cornelius, he hung on a tree for you. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Verse 41, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as a witness, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be a judge of living and the dead. Oh my goodness. When you read that, does that scare you a little bit? Some of you have told me your stories about being in front of a judge. It's scary, isn't it? You ever go in front of a judge and you're not sure how he's gonna, how he's gonna make that, what's that verdict gonna be? And I was thinking about like the, the, we, the only reason we, we fear the judge is because we, we heard the stories. We, we know that probably there's a crime that we committed that we deserve to be punished for, right? And it says Jesus is the judge. I don't know about you, that scares me a little bit because he's like 100% perfect and I'm me. Y'all tracking? But then I read the stories. He was the judge for a woman that got caught in adultery. He turned to the religious people and he said, if you have no sin, you guys could throw the stone. You could be the judge. It says one by one, they walked away. And here was the verdict that he gave that woman. Go and sin no more. How about the woman at the well? Multiple husbands, multiple affairs. Boy, that sounds like some stories that we've heard, right? All these problems, all these issues. You go tell the people in your town. The verdict should have been, like she wasn't even allowed, she wasn't even supposed to give him a drink. Jesus says, you're gonna drink, I'm drinking this water, but you're gonna drink of a well that your thirst will never happen again. It'll never be the same. Go and tell everybody what you've seen and what you've heard. Over and over and over again. I say that to say this, if there's ever been a judge I want to judge me, it would be Jesus. Because he's gracious and he's merciful. The Bible says man's appointed one time to die and then a judgment comes. Give me Jesus. In that moment right there, I don't want to claim the things that are important to me. I don't want to claim my accolades. I don't want to tell anybody about how important I am. Just give me Jesus. Allow that cross and the blood of that innocent lamb the Bible says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and allow that to be my declaration. Allow that to be what Jesus, what they see in me. I had a conversation um, a couple, three weeks ago with somebody. I have a friend that's an atheist. And we were talking one day and he said, Bobby, he said, I got one issue with Christianity. And I'm like, oh, one, that's good. 
We're, we're in good shape. Just one. I was like, you're better than my Christian friends. <laughs> he said, um, I said, what is it? And he goes, I just think Christianity is a crutch. At first, I wanted to hit him because he said it's a crutch for weak-minded people. And then I got to thinking, I am weak. I do need help. I can't do this life on my own. And when I've tried to do it on my own, I've made a miserable wreck out of all of it, not just some of it. So the only response I could give him is, I believe you're right, Jesus is a crutch, and if he is, give me two, would you? Can I tell you a concern I have? I have a concern in the world we live in right now. Now think about this. We're fighting for all kinds of things right now. Some of the things make sense, some of the things don't make sense. But if we get everything we're fighting for and it's all said and done, will it leave us fulfilled? If, 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 your kids win every baseball tournament that you've put them in and all those awards are sitting there and, and they get to the end of their life. Are they gonna go, wow, I had a really great life. I won four, you know, peewee baseball tournaments when I was seven years old and never played it. Like, like, or how about this? What if you get the job of your dreams and it brings in more money than you ever thought you could, you could have? But you get to the end of your life, is that gonna make you happy? If we tear down every monument and take down every flag and we do all those things, is that gonna leave our society any better than it is right now? See, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fill a sin situation with stuff. And until we deal with the sin situation, we're still gonna be left empty. This is what scripture says in Matthew. What does it profit a man if he inherits the whole world, but he loses his own soul. If we have all the money in the world, we have all the awards, we have all the accolades, we have all the relationships, we have all the houses, we have all the boats, we have everything we can ever dream of, we get to the end of our lives, are we gonna be happy? And the answer is absolutely no without Jesus. And that's why I can say, unapologetically, for me, you can have all that stuff I could be on my deathbed and I'm gonna say, give me Jesus. I want us to do something today. I want us to stand up together as a faith community. Instead of just singing this song, I want us to make, us, make this song our prayer right now. I don't know where you're at, what you're going through, but I can tell you, regardless of where you're at or what you're going through, Jesus is the answer. Amen? We should be using that song.
Forgive me, Jesus. Give me, Jesus. Give me, Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me, When I am alone, and when I am alone, and when I am alone, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, oh, when I come to die, give me Jesus, yeah. give me Jesus, give me That's what we're about. We do feel that Jesus is the answer to all the world's struggles. And God, I was reminded, even I was, I was just sitting backstage, just listening to the words, when a couple of the disciples were walking up to the temple and they come across somebody that needed, needed help. And he said, silver or gold, I don't have any of that. But what I have, I give you. He said, in the name of Jesus, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And God, I don't have a lot to offer this world, but I think I have the greatest thing and what the world needs. And so even in this room right now, there's people that haven't made that decision. And maybe today are contemplating. Maybe today want to talk to somebody. Maybe today want to take a next step and talk about faith and talk about this Jesus and talk about this whole God thing. And I'm thankful that we have a place that provides opportunity for seekers just like Cornelius to just figure out faith. I believe there's people here right now, God, that are going, I want you in my life. I need you. There, there was maybe even a time where 
I felt your presence. I, I, I haven't lately. And I, I need you to do something. I need Jesus today. In that morning where it seems to be fresh and new, in the afternoon where sometimes our lives feel like they're sun-baked, or maybe it's in the midnight cry, our greatest desperation, anxiety, and fear. And God, whatever place we are in life, God, that we know, we know that Jesus is important. Thank you, God, for visiting with us today. Thanks for being with us in all of our locations. Thanks for speaking to us through your holy word. God, I pray that we would walk out of this place today knowing you more and knowing what it really means to know you, Jesus. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.